0: have been a place in Scripture that I turn to monthly if not weekly uh, during my my walk with Christ Uh, they have been an encouragement to me especially in times of anxiety uh, times of grief uh, when trouble comes uh, that the Psalms have been a source of comfort and so This morning, I would like for us to begin to look at some psalms throughout Scripture as we continue through this season together that we are in. Today, I would like for us to look at Psalm 46. Many believe that this psalm was written by King Hezekiah, who was king of Judah. Go with me some 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ to the land of Judah. And King Hezekiah has been faithful to the Lord. He has done what is right in God's eyes. He has uh, lived a right life before the Lord as king. And then during that time, the king of Assyria, Uh, leads his army to invade Judah and he intended to make war on Jerusalem and we read about this in 2nd Chronicles also uh, 2nd Kings as well you find it in Isaiah 36 and 37 also and the Assyrian army was an army that defeated nation after nation Uh, they were highly feared throughout the known uh, world Um, they were an unstoppable army their army boast of hundreds of thousands of men. And so this king of Assyria mocked Hezekiah. He, he mocked Hezekiah's lord. But Hezekiah was courageous. He, he was fearful. He encouraged the people uh, to be the same way, to, to trust in the Lord during this time. And Hezekiah went to the prophet Isaiah during that time, and he, he prayed to the Lord along with Isaiah. And, and listen to how God answered their prayer. In Isaiah thirty seven, thirty six it says, Then the angel of the Lord went out and struck hundred and eighty five thousand in the camp of the Assyrians. And when men arose early in the morning, behold, all of these were dead. What a scene. The angel of the Lord took out hundred and eighty five thousand men of the Assyrian army. And in response, Hezekiah, many believe, writes this psalm that we find in Psalm Forty-six. This beautiful psalm that, that speaks of, of God as our protection, as God is as our pleasure, God is our, our power, and lastly, God is our purpose. And so this morning, I want us to be encouraged. I want us to find comfort. Whatever season you're in, wherever you find yourself this morning, I pray that you would see God as your refuge And your strength. And that's where we begin this morning in verse one. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear in verse two. Though the earth should change, and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She, she will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations made an uproar, the kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice, the earth melted, and the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob. Is our stronghold. Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has wrought desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Let me ask the Lord to be with us as we look at this text this morning. Our Father, uh, would you now. Uh, Caused us to behold uh, the beauty of this beautiful text. Uh, the, this great song of, of praise from King Hezekiah after experiencing a great victory. And that victory was because of you, God. You alone. And so, Lord, as, as we think of that this morning, may we remember uh, as we walk through this scripture today that you are our victory that you will win the battle. And so, Lord, speak to us now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God is our protection. That's the first thing that King Hezekiah uh, declares in this beautiful psalm. It says that God is our refuge in verse 1, and He is our strength, a very present help in trouble. This is Israel's boast in Jehovah, the only living and true God. Their refuge is not in their armies, it's not in their walls, it's not in their fortresses. God is their refuge. God is their strength. God is their shelter. He is their protection. As their refuge, He is always accessible and the only delightful place to retreat for them. He is their strength. He is all-sufficient, unconquerable, a strength like no other. That is who God is for His people. He is a very present help in trouble as well. This means he is abundantly available to help. He is their help truly, effectively, and constantly. He is a present, near, close, real, and ready help for his people. He never withdraws himself from his people who are in trouble. He is more present than the trouble itself. And I love what it says here. He is our refuge. He's our strength. He's our help. This personal possessive of our is, is my, the word my. And so I want to ask you this morning as, as we're reading this together, can, can you say that God is my refuge? Is that something you can personally say, that He is my strength, that He is my help? What other things might we seek refuge in? What other things what, uh, might we seek to get our strength from or to get our help from? I want us to know this morning that, that anything else that promises to be a refuge is a lie because, because God alone wants to be our refuge. He wants to be our strength, and He wants to be a very present help in trouble. And so right out of the gates this morning, let, let God be your all in all. It continues in verse 2 and 3, and it says, Therefore, as a result of this, because of this, we will not fear. Though the earth should change, and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. It begins here with therefore. Because of this truth in verse 1, because God is on our side, He is our refuge, He's our strength, He's our help, He's our great protection, we need not fear Even though we face all sorts of trouble in this world, we're not to be afraid. And though the earth should change. This is an interesting picture here. Actually, a a very um, visible picture of of how things on earth are are changing around us. It's as though life as we know it changes just like that. Uh, just like the season we're in, uh, this pandemic that we find ourselves in, uh, life as we, we knew it, it, it just changed overnight, overnight. And that's the picture here. Even in such times, we should not be given to fear because God is our protection. And though the mountains slip or the mountains shake, it says. And so mountains are the, are the firmest created objects that we find in creation. Uh, Though they should fall here, the scripture says, uh, though they be in ruins and fall into great devastation, we should not be afraid. And and so this gives a picture of of the worst of the worst. Even in such, the child of God should trust the Lord. And so even when the worst of worst happens, God, our refuge, will keep us. He will keep us from evil. And as our strength and our help, He will allow us to taste all that is good, even in the midst of the worst of worst. And though its waters roar and foam, and though the mountains quake at its swelling pride, literally meaning... Before the surging sea. And so here the psalmist is is focused on nature, on on the creation here. And even when things in the world reveal their fury, even when nature reveals its fury and and power to disturb and destroy, and like the raging seas, remember, do not be afraid, for the Lord stills the raging seas, and He holds the waves in the hollow of His hands. Here in these two verses, we see the great and many causes to fear in nature. Uh, But I want us to look down at verse 6 as well here in chapter 46. It says, The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice, God did, and the earth melted. And you see back up in verses 2 and 3, the mountains slip or the mountains quake. And so those are all the same word of of the word shake. And in verse 6 as well, the nations in an uproar or they tottered. It's also that same word for shake. And and I think the emphasis is here whether the threat to us is from nature, whether it's earthquakes, whether it's floods, whether it's storms in verse 2 and 3, or from political upheaval or or wars in verse 6. Do not be afraid. Do not be fearful. We fear things in this world of what might come or, or even what must come. And so what might come is in this text. Mountains might shake. Waters might roar. Uh, persecution may come to believers. There might be wars. There might be diseases and, and viruses, viruses and, and pandemics. Those things might happen. And there's also things that must come. Afflictions must come. Scripture talks about that. Uh, they must come for believers. Death must come. Death is going to come. Judgment must come. These are things that will come. But the one and great cause for not fearing what might come, whether from nature or nations, or from fearing what must come, the, the one constant, the, the one great cause for not fearing that we find in this text is God, is God alone, because he is our refuge, he's our strength, he's our help. And next, what we see is is a beautiful picture of him as our help. If we look down in in verse 4, here we see that God is our our great pleasure, he's our great delight. It says in verse 4, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the, the holy dwelling places of the most We've already seen in verse 6 that God's response to the nations is with a a word that He speaks. And and what happens is the earth melts. That's one response that that God gives in this text. But the other is here in verse 4, as His response to dangerous seas is to become for us another kind of water completely. And, And what is that detailed as here? There is a river, a river. Uh, The river here is a picture of God's grace. It it is smooth flowing. It's full. It's it's never failing. That's what kind of river this is. It gives refreshment. It gives comfort to believers. And nothing disrupts its flow. That's what God's grace is pictured as here. And it says that this very river makes glad the city of God. The, The city of God is Jerusalem. And one of uh, a city's great fears while being under attack is having its water supply cut off. And no doubt that would have been a fear that the people back in this day would have had. But God assures that there will be a river that will flow and be a great delight and a great pleasure for the city. Uh, Jerusalem here, I believe, is a picture of the church uh, it's a picture of God's people. And the river, I think we have in Scripture a, a few ideas of, of what this river is or who this river is. Uh, the river, at first, I believe, is God the Father. Uh, we find in Jeremiah uh, 2, verse 13, that the Father is pictured as this fountain of living waters. That, that's who He is uh, to us. Uh, also, it's pictured, it, the river here is pictured as, as God the Son. As we look in Scripture, in Zechariah chapter 13, verse 1, it says, "...in that day a fountain will be opened for the house of David and for the inhabitants of Jerusalem, for sin and for impurity." And, and so there will be this one, this one who is referred to as a fountain. And in that day, when, when Jesus comes... He will be for us one who covers our sin and our impurity. And so Jesus is also pictured here, I believe, in the Scripture as this river that will make the city glad, the church, the people of God glad. Also, this river is God the Spirit, I believe. In Jesus' words in John 7, verse 38, He says, "...he who believes in Me, as the Scripture said, from His innermost being will flow rivers of living water." And so here we have this picture of the Holy Spirit who will come and dwell believers and and be literally living water, make them alive, give them spiritual life. And so this river pictured here in verse 4 is literally our great God, the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. This is assuring for followers of Jesus Christ that God will supply. He will be that river. Um, He will supply our needs while the seas of this world are raging all around us. His grace is sufficient. His grace enables us to endure to the end. And then in verse five, it says, God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. God, it's... God's help for us is sure. It's near. He will not be moved. He will help just as He did with the Israelites and He did with Hezekiah. And at dawn, the Assyrians were found struck dead. God is our help. God is our sure and steady rock. And not only that, if you look down at verse 6, God is our, our power. And so we've seen that he's our protection. He's our, our great pleasure, that, that river that makes glad the city. Uh, the people of god that 's who our God is, as He is in our midst, and he 's also our power in verse six. It says, "The nations made an uproar, the kingdoms tottered, He raised His voice, and the earth melted. Here we see, see like we did before, nations raging, nations at war. I, I believe it it is also a picture of unbelievers raging, society in confusion, those who do not know the Lord distressed and dismayed, everything in Disorder is the picture here. And then a word, a word. And what happens? The Lord ruled the storm on the earth. Proud hearts dissolved, conquering powers feebled, armies annihilated, just like the Assyrians. Just with a word, the earth melts. This is the power of our great God. This is the power of the Lord of hosts that it says in verse 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. The Lord of hosts, the one who rules the angels, the stars, and all the heavenly hosts is with us. He is the reason for every believer's security and for the overthrow of all our foes. This is the same God of Jacob, and he is our high place of defense. He's our security. And then in verse 8 through 9, it says, Come. Behold, the works of the Lord who has wrought desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease. To the ends of the earth he breaks the bow and he cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. Here we have an invitation to come and behold the works of the Lord. People of God, come And behold what God has done for you. Go view the remains of your enemies, O Israelites. Look what God has done for you as He has taken out 185,000 men of the Assyrian army. You see, where God's rule and His reign has been disregarded, ruin has and will surely follow. God's works are worth us Beholding, They reveal, they tell us about his infinite power, about his wisdom, about his justice. And he brings peace on the earth. He causes wars to end. He he breaks the bow, it says here. He cuts the spear in two. And and the greatest fear of a a foot soldier back then would be a a coming chariot in battle. Surely that would mean the end. That would mean death. Uh, You would have no chance. But here it says that God burns the chariot with fire. So sit back, sit back, and behold what God has done. For every Christian, look at what God has brought to ruins. Uh, the old, spiritually dead you, He has brought to ruins. Our, our fears brought to ruins. Our past sins brought to ruins. Our poor decisions bought, brought to ruins. He's brought it to ruins, and, and look back at the new spiritual life you have been given. He's given that to you now. He's given you peace instead. He's given you victory, and this He has brought to us. And so our God is powerful. Be still and, and behold what God has done in your life. Nothing that stands against you can stand before our God. Behold that this morning. Behold what God has done. And so behold, and it it says next in verse 10, cease striving. Cease striving and know that I am God. Your translation may say, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So we're told here to be still. Just like in verse nine, to, to come and behold. Now we are told to be still, to stop to wait in patience and adore God. He has shown his power. Jonathan Edwards said uh, about this verse right here, he said, be still and know that God is God, sufficient to steal all objections, all oppositions to his sovereignty. And so be still and trust him. We should practice this daily as we get in the Word, as, as we pray, beholding the works of God, knowing Him deeper, knowing Him more intimately. And then it says, I will be exalted among the nations. The psalmist here wants us to be still and, and know God's purpose. God's purpose is His glory. He is most passionate about His glory. Glory! He is most passionate about making much of who He is to every nation, to every tribe, to every tongue. He indeed is the greatest perfection. He indeed is the greatest pleasure. He indeed is the greatest power. And He will be exalted. As we sit back and behold this text, to be still and know that God is God. And to know that He will be exalted among the nations. To know that He will be exalted in the earth. And in light of that, what is our life for? What, what is our life for in, in this age, in, in this season, this time that we're in, in this time and space of an uncertainty and, and lostness that is around us? What is our life for until Jesus returns? What are we to do with our life? What are we here for? What's our purpose Jesus said to the Father before he would go and die in John 17, 4, in in a prayer, this beautiful prayer, he says, I glorified you, Father, on earth, having accomplished the work which you have me to do. When our time here on earth is done, will we be able to say this? Just like Jesus says, I glorified you on earth, Father, having accomplished the work which you have me to do. I want my life to count for the Lord. I know you watching this morning, you you would probably say, yes, I want my life to count for the Lord. So let us not waste our life on meaningless pursuits, but let us give our life away for the purpose of God, that we would be passionate about God's glory just As he is. But I believe this morning for that to stop, just as it says here in verse 10, we must be still. Uh, We must stop. We must slow down. We are people always on the move. We're on our devices, we're in front of the TV, we're in in front of the computer. Um, Some of us play video games, even as adults. Um, We let so much hurry. Uh, fill our our mind in our life from one thing to the next, uh, never taking time just to slow down and be still, never taking time to behold, never taking time to know that God is God. But we must. We must be still. We must behold the works of God. We, We must cease this hurried life and be quiet. For God hits home in the stillness. That's where God hits home, in the quiet. When we stop striving. If we want our life to count for the Lord, we must stop. We must stop running. We must get alone with God. We must let the glory of God change our life. That's what Paul had in mind. 2 Corinthians three eighteen: beholding as in a mirror the glory of our Lord. But we've got to stop and behold first. We've got to stop. And behold, the glory of God, as we look in the Word of God, we are still. We read. We take time to think. We take time to behold the glory of the Lord. And he says here, as we do that in verse 18 of chapter 3 of Second Corinthians, we're being transformed into the same image. What's that same image? That the glory of God, our life starts to change as we start beholding the glory, the characteristics, the perfections, the power, the greatness of our God. He starts changing us. It says here, from one degree of glory to the next, from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. Let God change us as we behold His works, as as we stop and know that God is. Is God and that he will be exalted let him change us let him change our purpose that our purpose would be his very purpose you and I were created we we exist for the glory of God and and so let God's passion for his glory to make much of him in the nations let that be our purpose let it be our passion because that's what we were created for to enjoy God and to enjoy making much of Him in every nook and cranny, at every nation, every place that we can. Let that be our purpose. And then in verse 11, as we wrap up uh, this psalm here, it, it says in verse 11, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. God is with us. The Lord of hosts is the same one who entered the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and, and rescued them. Uh, the same Lord of hosts who, who came and struck down the Assyrian army of 185,000 men. This Lord of hosts is with us. And who is this Lord of hosts? I believe it's Jesus. I believe it was Jesus with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I believe no doubt it's with Jesus who who struck down this army. That's His power. That's His protection for His people. This is Jesus some 700 years here in this very psalm before He would go and and be born in in a manger in, in Bethlehem as a baby. God with us. God in the flesh. He would go and He would die for us. And then He would be raised again as we celebrated just a couple weeks ago uh, on the third day. And He ascended to heaven where He now reigns over all. And one day He will return again. And today Jesus, the Lord of hosts, is present in, in dwelling in His church, in His people. He resides and lives in Them And no calamity, no hostile adversary can overtake God's army. No adversary can overtake God's church, His people, because He is with them. The God of Jacob, who is our strength, He's our stronghold. This morning, do you know the Lord of hosts? Do you know Jesus? Can you say, yes, He is my refuge. Yes, He's my strength. Yes, He is my help. Yes, He is my Savior. If not, trust Him today. He has come to be our refuge. He has come to be our strength. He has come to be our help. Without Him, we have no hope. But He has come, and He has given His life for us. He's laid it down willingly to pay the price of sin for us, to to, to bear the punishment that we deserve. Without it, we are lost But because of Him, we can be found. And so believe and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior today. In Jesus, God has pledged it all to us. Jesus has taken the punishment. Now all we know is the river of grace that we read about in verse 4. So when we wonder if God will continue to shelter us with His protection, when we wonder will He continue to satisfy us with His pleasure, when we wonder will He continue to sustain us, to fight another day of uncertainty with His power, our answer is, of course, God will. Of course He will. His name is at stake. Uh, Of course He will. He is working to keep me and to sustain me for His glory. Yes, He will. Yes, He will. This means we can trust God to do what's best for us, to reach eternal pleasure with Him, um, to reach... Uh, uh, eternal life with Him one day as He promises us. It means that even if His protection looks like taking everything else away, whether it's health, comfort, conveniences, friends, family, jobs, or whatever it may be, He will keep us safe in Jesus Christ. It means He will help us to make it because His name is invested in the life of His people. And so as we close our time today, God is our protection. He is our pleasure. He is our power, and He is our purpose. Let us behold His works. Let us be still and know that He is God, and let us join Him in making much of His name to every nook and cranny, every friend, every family member we have, to every campus, to every place of work, every neighborhood and nation, to the ends of the earth. When God says, I will be exalted to the nations, I will be exalted to the earth, let us have that same passion. Let us have that same purpose. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you that you are our refuge that you are our strength, that you are our help, our great protection, our pleasure, our power, and, Lord, our purpose. God, for the season we're in, may, may we never forget these great truths today. And, God, may we spread your name to every place and person that we can. In Jesus' name, amen.